Welcome into Four Down Territory. I am Kyle Madsen, the managing editor of NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me as always, the wonderful Doug Farrar, the managing editor of Touchdown Wire. Doug, it, it, you know, you brought up a point before the show, and I think it's I think it's worth talking about now before we dive into our, our various downs here as we go through some some midseason award type of deals. We don't really have a midseason anymore. It's really There's, annoying. The 17 games really throws it off. Well, you made the point, I guess, 18 weeks, so after week nine, maybe. But, yeah, the, we're doing the halfway point of the season video for Lee Miller has a halfway point in the season. I'm just I'm annoyed by the whole thing. It's really, fr- it's really frustrating, and, and and it's the biggest the biggest issue I've had so far with the 17 games. Yep. I mean, it's first just... problems I know, but... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, make your schedule conducive to our needs, right? As come runners, on. I mean, We're, come on. You, you as the NFL are doing this all for the media, so let's 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 step it up here. All right, let's let's dive into first uh, first down here. So, based on what we've seen through a bulk of the week eight action, who is the most disappointing team for the first half of the year? It's weird to say this about a defending Super Bowl champion that's six and two, um, and they're fifth in offensive DVOA and fifth in defensive DVOA. But I have to say the Kansas City Chiefs in their passing game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes against the Broncos on Sunday had his first NFL game with no passing touchdowns and three turnovers. At Denver beat Denver beat Kansas City for the first time since Peyton Manning was a quarterback in 2015, and Patrick Mahomes was a sophomore at Texas Tech. Wow, uh, that's, that's a long time ago. Uh, there's no way to look at Kansas City's passing game right now and deem it a success. This is especially true when it comes to the deep ball, which Mahomes has always been just nails with. But this season on throws with 20 or more air yards, Mahomes has completed 10 of 32 passes for 351 yards, one touchdown, five interceptions, and a league-high eight turnover-worthy throws. Now, I get that his receivers outside of Travis Kelsey have been woefully inconsistent. Get Rasheed Rice on the field more, please, because mm-hmm. uh, he's really good. And the route combinations under Matt Nagy are, you're going to find it surprising, Kyle. The route combinations under Matt Nagy are nowhere near as helpful to the quarterback as they were under Eric Bieniemy. Now, I know that's a shocker. I know. We may have to take a minute and collect ourselves, but it's true. And right now, the 6-2 and two Chiefs are a team led by their defense, Ghost Bags, and their offense is struggling to catch up. Again, it's odd to call this team a disappointment with that record and those overall team metrics offensive and defensively Mm -hmm. but as we always say the tape don't lie it just don't i keep waiting for the chiefs offense to figure it out and i've looked at their defense and i've kept saying this is a really good team because man championship defense all of a sudden yeah you give patrick mahomes and andy Reid a top five defense and good luck right but now their offense looks as bad as their defense used to it just doesn't it doesn't make a lot i'm still banking on them to figure it out because i trust I trust Mahomes and Reed, but through eight weeks, man, it's been ugly. Lock for sure. Nagy in a closet and give someone else to it. worked for the Bears when Nagy like handed the like the playbook over to his OC, and all of a sudden it looked good, and Nagy took it back, and then it was what it was. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. I can't believe a team is still employing Matt Nagy to do anything in the NFL, but here we are. So, we are. <clears throat> given how the year started, it's hard not to say the 49ers right now. Yeah, it's getting weird. Yeah, and, and this is it, this is not based on one or two weeks. And, and and let me explain because they're still five and three. It's the second best record they've had under Kyle Shanahan after eight weeks. But they were a consensus NFT, NFC contender, and now after eight yeah. weeks, they're not even leading their division. They're oh, sixth in the, the NFC way, now. Hawks who are the leading division just got Leonard Williams. So hello. Yeah, a huge help on the interior of their defensive line. 
So to make matters worse, the defense they were supposed to be able to rely on got beat by PJ Walker and the Browns in week six. Uh, they just couldn't get a stop at the end of the game. Uh, then they got lit up in consecutive weeks by Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow. And not that getting beat by that duo of quarterbacks is necessarily a bad thing because those are two good players. But the Niners had the same problems both weeks. They're not getting pressure on the quarterback and their coverage hasn't been good enough that that quarterbacks are having to not take the easy throws because that's what they used to be so good at is take away the easy throw, make the quarterback hold onto the ball and let that pass rush get home and wreak havoc. That's not working. And then you get to the offensive side against Cincinnati. They averaged over eight yards of play. Like the, the efficiency is there. Then the same, same thing against, against the, the Vikings. They were up over like six, six yards of play. So the efficiency is there, but you have Brock Purdy starting to turn the ball over. He has five interceptions in the last three games, and all of them have come with the team down one score in, in, in the second half. Um, it, it, part of this is because Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are out, but Kyle Shanahan just hasn't had a ton of answers without those two players on the field. And San Francisco hasn't been able to run the ball, so they're putting games on Brock Purdy's right arm, and that's just not super conducive to, to playing winning football. So... Uh, the 49ers are in a bind going into the bye week where they'll need Shanahan and defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes to both do some pretty significant problem solving. That's something that I believe Kyle Shanahan is very good at. It's something that 49ers defensive coordinators Robert Sala and Tobiko Ryans in the past have been very good at. Now they need to see if uh, if Steve Wilkes is able to do that because if they don't, the 49ers could very easily miss the playoffs because look at this. They got two games left against Seattle. They have a contest at Jacksonville coming out of the bye where Jacksonville is also coming out of their bye. Then they're at Philadelphia and they have a home game against the Ravens. If they're playing the rest of the way, the way they're playing right now, I don't know how they win any of those games. And that's when you start talking about this team that was supposed to be a contender missing the postseason. Well, I have one answer for Kyle Shanahan. Uh, don't play your starting quarterback when he's obviously concussed. He's mm. thrown four of those picks since that concussion late in the Vikings game when he was trying to sneak. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't being rude getting my phone. I took this picture of an ESPN graphic this morning. In their 5-0 start, the Niners averaged 33.4 points per game. They were allowing 13.6 points per game, and their turnover differential was plus 7. In their last three games, all of which they've lost, they scored 17 points per game. They've allowed 24 points per game, and their turnover differential is minus 3. That's what we call a negative trend in all possible ways. And the defense, I, I mean, I was going to watch more of it this morning because we discussed this yesterday, and then the Leonard Williams trade happened, and I had to go <laughs> you know, hard pivot. Sure. Uh, but I think we, from what I've seen, and this is not to bash Steve Wilkes, D'Amico Ryans did such an amazing job with that defense, and he sort of you know, got those guys when they were young, and they all grew up together, mm-hmm. and that's kind of hard to replicate. But, yeah, there are problems all over the place here. Yeah. I I that I don't know. It's not a matter of getting more talent. They have plenty of talent. People are healthy on that side of the ball. There's a there's buttons that their defensive coordinator needs to push, and I'm not sure that uh, that will. Well, the two most them. important guys who've been gone are Trent Williams and Debo, and and as impactful as Debo is, having your the best left tackle in the game out is a problem. You can't go out and get another tw- Trent Williams, and another Debo Samuel. That that yeah. doesn't happen for the most part. So they, f- they effectively can't run to the left side right now. <laughs> you are. And, you have yep. who you have, and it's good enough to at least win a division. But mm-hmm. you, ha- you know, the urgency is now, as you said. Yep, no doubt. All right, let's move on to second down. Let's get more positive. Yeah. Who's been the most surpri- uh, like pleasantly surprising team? Uh, I would say the Baltimore Ravens on both sides of the ball. It took a while mm-hmm. for Lamar Jackson to look fully comfortable in new offensive coordinator Todd Monken's playbook. 
but it's happening now. Jackson is a fully formed pocket passer and has been for years, no matter what people might want to tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, his MVP season, he was maybe the best pocket passer in the game. So, hello. Yeah. Uh, and he's still ridiculous when it's time to leave the pocket. Moreover, first-round pick Zay Flowers has given Jackson the separation generator, a term I borrowed from our friend Greg Grossell. He's never really had at the position, certainly at the receiver position. Monken has also expanded Baltimore's multiple run concepts, and the offense is as fun to watch as any in the league. But I think the untold story here is what Ravens, the Ravens' defense is doing in defensive coordinator Mike McDonald's second season. This is a defense smart enough to throw different things at you every week. It's a highly opponent-specific st- set of schemes, which is tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Even though this defense drops a few plays, as it did on Sunday when they gave up 24 points to the Cardinals, they're adept enough to get back on track when the need really arises. And it's not just one guy doing it. They've got this herd of pass rushers. The linebackers are doing all kinds of things. The secondary is kind of McDonald's mm-hmm. focus, and, and those guys are playing really well. So the Ravens all of a sudden, um, I think they're a top four team in the league. I, you know, looking at it right now, would Super Bowl surprise me? No, not at all. Yeah, not with how consistently they've been playing. And then they they blow out the Lions who were playing really well and they just take care of business against the Cardinals. That's a really, really good team. Well, and that, that Lions game, they played so much base personnel with three linebackers and mm. a lot of single high because they were expecting, oh, Lamar's going to run, Lamar's going to run. Lamar said, oh, okay, I'll just throw the ball in the zone openings and you know, waxed them. So yep. they can beat you in a lot of different ways, which is what you want. Yep, that's exactly why they, why they got rid of Greg Roman and moved on to Todd Munkin. And it seems to be working out for them. Uh, for me, the Jets are fun. The Jets are fun. It looked like their season was over, right? Aaron Rodgers goes down. Zach Wilson comes in. They get the nice win against the Bills on opening night. But you're going, okay, but let, let's be real. Like, this this season is over. Um, they've managed to piece together a 4-3 and three record through eight weeks. And they have themselves very much in the thick of the playoff race after everyone wrote them off as contenders for the number one pick. Because it sounds like now we can't say into in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes anymore. Are we out on Caleb Williams? Is that what's happening? I did a mock last week where, and this is not my belief, but just based on what teams might do, I had right. uh, Drake May going first overall and Caleb Williams going to the Broncos at four just because I love anarchy, but that's a different story. Okay. Okay. Very good. Uh, so Zach Wilson is still bad and not, not good, but uh, head coach Robert Sala has that defense playing as well as any unit in the NFL as, as they right. hoped when they, when they hired him, they're super talented and they're carrying through their struggles under center. And right now in this league where it's uh, so offensive minded an old school defensive minded football team is just such a stark contrast to everything else. And it's really hard not to be enthralled by the Jets. So shout out to them for not punting on the season. I mean, quarterback is a problem. Mm. At least until Aaron Rodgers, you know, does whatever he does. And then, you know, (laughs) I don't even want to. Sure. (laughs) I dare not speculate. Um the run game is great. The offensive line is a problem. Quarterback's a problem. Everything else, they're, they're dialed in. Um, yep. If Rodgers returns down the stretch, who knows? And the one thing I will say, though, that 13-10 to 10 went over the Giants, I don't ever want to watch a single second of that game ever again in my life as long as I live. I made it a point to not put my eyeballs on that game at any point. That, that game set football back 300 years <laughs> before it even existed as a sport. Jets and Giants got to wear leather helmets next week. <laughs> All right. Well, we were making that joke about, uh, was it Brian Hoyer and the Constitutional Football League? I think that's what the Constitutional Football League looked like in the 18th century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of Jets, Giants type games. Garbage. 
All right, let's get to third down. Let's remove Deshaun Watson from the conversation. Who has been the most disappointing player in the league through eight weeks? Again, not counting Brown's quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Well, this disappoints me because I was like the player. And it may be a, a short price fix for the team you cover. And I would say Michael Davis, cornerback, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And it's really amazing to me how Brandon Staley like goes out of his way to put stuff on the field that does not match up with what his players do best. Because it's so weird. when they got J.C. Jackson, who's one of the best man cornerbacks in the league, they're playing zone, 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 zone. So they get rid of Jackson. Now Davis, who I've listed in my lists before as one of the best zone cornerbacks in the league, all of a sudden they're playing a ton of man and not, not any more zone. So uh, Staley's been pressing. He's had impressing top receivers at the line of scrimmage in crucial situations, like in the red zone. That's not really his game. He's more an off-coverage guy. So when they had Jackson, <laughs> who's maybe the best press corner in the NFL, they kept playing him off like, guy, what are you doing? Um, Staley has been notorious for putting his defensive players in positions where he thinks they should be able to succeed as opposed to what they do best. This is another instance. Davis has had by far his worst season in a seven-year NFL career, allowing 35 catches on 52 targets for 381 yards, 76 yards after the catch, five touchdowns, no interceptions, five pass breakups, and an opponent pass rating of 120.8, seventh worst in the league among cornerbacks playing at least 50% of their defensive snaps. And I wrote in my notes that I would almost like the Chargers to trade him to a more zone-heavy team like the Jaguars, Colts, or fill-in-the-blank, just to give him more of an opportunity to do what he does best. I'll just leave it there for you. Hang and slider, buddy. Thanks, man. I'm going uh, the. Uh, so if it uh, happens, I'm going to take my victory lap. Yeah, no, you sh as you should. And that's the thing is I don't even know. I don't want this to turn into a 49er show, but they right. have, they have a lot of problems and cornerback is, I, I, I think uh, one of them. So yes. that would, that would make sense. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with uh, Josh Jacobs running back for the Las Vegas Raiders. So he was the NFL. Everything, everything where Josh McDaniels is in charge of it is bad. <laughs> yeah, right. So <laughs> Jacobs led the NFL in rushing last season mm -hmm. and looked like he had kind of turned a corner. And then Las Vegas didn't resign him to a long-term deal. So Jacobs, I thought, had a chance given with, you know, what they had, what they were bringing defensively, the addition of Jimmy Garoppolo, the draft Michael Mayer, they have uh, um, Devontae Adams. They signed Jacoby Myers. And you're going, hey, there's a real chance that Josh Jacobs could put together another really nice year. And, you know, maybe maybe he makes some scratch on the open market and throw double birds to the whole running backs don't matter. We're not going to pay our running backs kind of crowd in that discourse. Uh, in seven games, he has 118 carries for 347 yards and two touchdowns. His 2.9 yards per carry ranks 40th out of 41 qualified rushers. The only one he's the only one worse than Jacobs is Cam Akers. Um, Jacobs is yet to post more than 77 yards in a game. The Raiders in general are kind of a mess, but Jacobs' struggles definitely haven't helped. I think they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. I don't necessarily think one is begetting the other. Uh, and it'll likely wind up having a dramatic impact on his free agency. So I had really high hopes for Jacobs this year to back up what he did last season, and he has just not not been the same player. Well, here's an idea. Hmm. The Chargers need a running back besides oh. Austin Eckler, and the Raiders play more zone than the Chargers do. How about Michael Davis or Josh Jacobs? Who says no? little interdivision no? trade. I love that idea. I'm here for it. Let's uh let's get to fourth down and and finish on a high note here. Who's been your most pleasantly surprising player 
of the first half. Yes, I would go with Robert Hunt, right guard, Miami Dolphins. There is no explosive offense in the NFL but a strong offensive line, or at least more than one piece of that kind of protection for any quarterback. And left tackle Teron Armstead, as we all know, is the Dolphins' best offensive lineman when he's healthy. But it's time to give some praise to Hunt, the second-round pick in 2020 out of Louisiana Lafayette, uh, who has allowed one sack, one hurry, and two hits, and 275 pass blocking snaps. Hunt is also athletic enough to Blackwell in Miami's outstanding motion run concepts, which we don't talk about nearly enough, except on the X's and O's with Greg Cosell, because we love that stuff. Uh, now the guy previously known for, and you may remember this, Kyle, nearly scoring the greatest big man touchdown ever in 2021, but his receiving touchdown against the Ravens was called back because he didn't report as eligible. Bull crap. Uh, should be lauded for his more traditional expertise. And I say if a big guy gets a thick six, rule of cool, rule book doesn't matter, that's that's tutty. That's just – when I'm commissioner, that's going to I love the rule of cool. Yes. That should that needs to be implemented immediately. And maybe you want to make the officiating at least like tolerable. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Mine is Texans quarterback CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. And man, I you you and I were both high on Stroud. I believe he was your QB one. Uh by a pretty I like Bryce Young, but he was QB one by a pretty wide margin. Yeah. But then he comes out in the preseason and had a disastrous preseason debut, and you're looking at Bobby Slowick, a first-time offensive coordinator, and D'Amico Ryan, the first-time head coach. And they, and you look, it's like Nico Collins and a rookie Tank Dell, and you're going, man, this is just not that good of an offense. C.J. Stroud might really fine. struggle here. We didn't know about Laramie Tunsil, so, we, you know, yeah, it was, yeah. It had all the makings of just a mess of a rookie season, and Stroud has responded by completing 60.3% of his throws for 1,800 yards, nine touchdowns, and one interception through the first seven games. Uh, PFF has him graded on throws 20 plus yards down the field. Uh, they give him an overall 86.2 grade. He's 10 of 19, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, he's been super efficient in in pretty much every area of the field and in all levels of the passing game. His one interception wound up getting fumbled by the guy who intercepted it, and the Texans recovered it anyways. Oh, in the Steve's he just, game, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he just he looks like like every bit the the quarterback that we saw at Ohio State. It's like there's been no drop off. He's making plays on the move out of structure. He's dynamite from the pocket. Uh, he's really accurate. And this is all, again, all that stuff about first-time head coach, first-time OC, not a great stable of playmakers is all still true. And he's still lighting it up like this. I, I am thrilled that CJ Stroud is as good as he's been. And I think he is just barely scratching the surface of what he's going to be. I think he's going to be a dynamite quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Two things. Did you see the touchdown run he had where they he ran the – it was like a fake brotherly shove, and he went to the right and actually snuck under the right tackle for the touchdown? Oh, I did. Teams are starting to run little options off the, the shove, which is cool. I need to do That's incredible. Uh, the yeah. second thing, when you, at, when you talk to quarterbacks and quarterback gurus and quarterback coaches, and you say, what's the most important attribute a quarterback can have? And everyone's going to say arm talent the guys who know will tell you accuracy. Stroud mm-hmm. was a all placement ninja at Ohio yep. state making throws into ridiculous because, you know, really when you go from college to the NFL, the windows shrink from a foot to an inch mm-hmm. and Stroud already had that. He's, he's a bootstrap kid and I'm really happy for him. He's just, yeah, a, he's great just, a, just a baller. Yeah. So super, super glad that his season is going 
and looking like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league and not just a rookie trying to make it through his first season. So very cool. Future very cool is bright. And you yeah. know, and the Texans. They start to get some receivers and, and you know, Nico Collins is good. Tank Dell, I think, eventually would be a force. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. reinforcing things and you know, they'll be they'll be knocking on the playoff door pretty soon. Yeah, especially especially in uh, in that division. So uh, Doug, this has been a delight as always. Thank you everybody for watching Four Down Territory. We'll be, we will be back next week talking football with you. Thanks for watching. Thanks everyone. Bye.